0: And load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show.
1: Hola. Happy New Year. We are back in the saddle again. It's been a while. How are you? I'm Steve Dace. This is The Blaze live and on demand. 888 900 3393 is the number. 888 900 3393. And allow me to reintroduce you to my right, where he is quite comfortable, and it's really hard to get to that spot. Todd, good to see you, brother. How are you? Happy New Year. Good to be back, brother. Good to see you. Our producer who makes all things possible, Aaron, and he's
2: shaven. Except for turning the right lights on. There we go. That's a little bit better. What were your last words to me before we started this? Oh, like two seconds before we went on the air? Don't screw up. And
1: um, what did you already do? Happy New Year, Steve. <laughs> so commence a year of no BS. That is our theme this year. Uh, and we love to hear from you as well via the SteveDace.com inbox. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email us. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Show. if you're listening later today via the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, etc. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Coming up later this hour, we are going to get to... My top 10 predictions, what I think is going to happen in 2019. Todd has not seen these yet, Aaron. You have. Yes. I want to hit Todd with these cold. You're, what do you think his reaction is going to be when we get to these later in the hour?
2: Honestly, I'm I'm thinking he's going to, with just the mood that I've sensed that he's in today, uh, being in the first day, I think he's going to want want you to swing for the fences even more than you did. Hmm. And I think... I think you already did swing for, offense, for the fences as you typically do in these. Also, next hour, our very first
1: ever truth bomb because I got a book coming out in two weeks, so I need to continue that contrived segment to drive sales. Again, the year of no BS. We hold ourselves accountable to the same standard. We will inflict. I'm sorry, a hold. Um, everyone, <laughs> gets that <clears throat> that we will hold everyone else to as well. And then because we missed you. Buy, seller, hold Aaron promises that you guys have stepped up to the plate to put us on notice next hour.
2: Correct? We're ready to go? I made no such promises, but uh, sure, we can say that.
1: Okay. Yeah. No yeah. BS. As you can see, not much has changed the last few weeks. So let's get updated. Here's what happened while we were away.
2: What happened while we were away brought to you by... We got a little bit of stuff to uh, catch up on. First off, President Trump originally said that he was not going to sign any continuing resolution or budget bill that did not include funding for a wall. He then indicated that he was not going to follow through with his word. And then Rush Limbaugh and Ann Coulter, or at least that's who the media is blaming, came down pretty hard on Trump. So he changed course again. The House ended up passing a spending bill which included funding for a wall. The Senate could not, so the government was shut down on December 22nd. On December 19th, Donald Trump announced.
0: We've been fighting for a long time in
1: Syria. I've been president for almost two years and we've really stepped it up. And we have won against ISIS. We've beaten them and we've beaten them badly. We've taken back the land. And now it's time for our troops to come back home.
2: That caused his secretary of defense, James Mattis, to step down and turn. I don't understand why everybody was so up in arms and lost their minds about this. You know we're going to be back within a year tops. A federal judge in Texas struck down Obamacare. (laughs) Judge Reed O'Connor ruled that the health care law is unconstitutional. The Des Moines Register came out with a preliminary poll of Democrats' favorites for the 2020 Democratic caucuses. The top three, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, and Meta O'Rourke. Many outgoing congressmen and women bid their adieus during the holiday and Christmas break, including Paul Ryan, who said, quote, We have kept our promises. The House is the most productive we have had in at least a generation. You sit on a throne of lies. A legal immigrant by the name of Ronald Singh came to America and became a police officer in Newman, California. He was killed during a shootout with an illegal alien, who was later apprehended. Tragedy struck the conservative blogosphere over the Christmas holiday as the Federalist columnist Bree Payton suddenly fell ill and died of the H1N1 strain of the flu. And now we come into the stupid. Organizers of a Women's March event canceled the planned parade because the participants were, quote-unquote, overwhelmingly white, Mitt Romney has now fully assumed the role of the new Jeff Flake, writing an op ed on New Year's Day criticizing President Trump. A judge ordered Stormy Daniels to pay Trump almost $300,000 in attorney's fees. Happy New Year to everyone, including the haters and the fake news media. Trump sent Christmas greetings to a seven year old.
1: Are you still a believer in Santa? Because at seven, it's marginal, right?
2: And a new effort to save millennials.
0: So, I'm going to show you guys
2: how to cut an onion. Yep, that's fine. For those of you listening, this is a video explaining how Rachel Flanger founded the adulting school in Portland, Maine, in order to, well, as the name suggests, teach millennials how to adult. Video is courtesy of CBS Christian Baker, Jack Phillips, is back in court after being targeted by transgender or cross-dressing individuals. Miss Spain, Angela Ponce, nearly made it to the finals of the Miss Universe pageants. Here's what she had to say.
3: no, <laughs>
2: vagina. For those of you listening and not watching, she says, quote, having a vagina does not make me a woman, end quote. And finally, Good Morning America is glamorizing child abuse. And if you haven't heard the name Desmond Napolis, get ready for this trailblazing 11-year-old drag kid who RuPaul is calling the future. His bravery is inspiring so many. We're going to talk to him in just a moment, but first,
0: let's take a look at his amazing story.
3: I'm 11 years old, and I like pizza, trains, and drinking root beers, and it's caffeine-free.
0: Please welcome Desmond. Lin-
2: And that's not even close to what happened while we were away, and that wasn't even close to two minutes or less. You know, on the
1: surface, um, it would appear the video of an 11-year-old drag queen and of teaching millennials to adult wouldn't have anything in common, except they do. They have the main thing in common. They have the same culprit. A generation of adults who failed both of the subjects in that video. Say whatever you want about millennials, and frankly, they maybe deserve most of it, and pretty much every generation does. But if they're not prepared to become adults, it's because the previous generation didn't prepare them, didn't put that expectation upon them. That's why they're in that. That's why they're in that situation. That's why they they need their peer group to take them aside on social media and show them how to perform the basic tasks of adulthood. This isn't a failure or a parody nor or at least it should not be or a slamming of millennials. This is an indictment of their parents. You know, those of us that are old enough to be their parents, we're the ones that ought to be looking in the mirror here. Those are our children and we failed them. And that's the same culprit that's at the center of that I don't know what else to call it. If you again the year of no BS, so let's just put it on the table. That is that is a visual, that's a visualization of the doctrine of demons, is what that is. That's a visualization of the doctrine of demons. It would be better for you to have a thousand-pound rock tied around your neck and to be thrown out into the sea than it will be for you on the day of judgment if you cause. One of these little ones to sin, to lose their innocence. That's, those are the words of Jesus himself. When you watch that clip, look at the reaction of the adults. Smiling. Smiling, clapping. cheering, clapping. No one stands up and says, what is this? No one. If you go back to our year-end roundtable, and one of the, I don't even remember the category, but I pointed out when they killed Alfie Evans, remember I pointed out no one in that hospital No one in the entire, no no low-level nurse, nobody said, I'm not taking part in this. You'll have to fire me. Nobody said no. Nobody in that audience at Good Morning America, nobody said no. Nobody. I wonder if Michael Strahan, the host of any of his former NFL players, texted him and said, There you go. Dude, what what, what in the world has happened to you? What are you doing? When he got on the set of Fox NFL Sunday to... Terry Bradshaw, anybody take him aside and say, dude, what are you you really 11 year old drag queens? And you didn't say that's probably not something we ought to be highlighting around here. Nobody said no. Nobody. You know, you read stories in the Old Testament about cultures that go down into valleys and cast their children into the fire or offer them up as sacrifices to the spirit of the age, whatever the conventional prevailing wind is of the era where you read about other uh, dark moments throughout history where entire cultures just looked the other way. Our own cultural, culture has not been immune to this. Just looked the other way at man's inhumanity to man and said, you know, it's just it's not my problem. And then even took a step beyond looking the other way, cheered it and enabled it. And you're like, man, how'd they do that? How'd they not know better? Looked a lot like that audience that you just saw in Good Morning America. That's kind of what it looked like. The rest of that video that Aaron just showed, boy, we could do whole shows on most of those topics. We're going to talk about the government shutdown that really isn't on our roundtable today, later today at The Blaze. So make sure you check that out. Our congressional correspondent, Nate Madden, will join us. And we'll, we'll break more of the shutdown and will it ever end and do we even care. We'll have that conversation a little bit later on. Um, I want to talk, though, about Mattis for sure, and then Mitt Romney if we have time. Although I'm, I suspect, given the start, he's already off to. We'll have time. We're gonna have Mitt Romney's gonna be the gift that keeps on giving, right? Mitt Romney's like the ghost of Christmas present. Come and know me, man. And got like a cornucopia of food and gifts. Oh, he's not even sworn in yet. And he is launching a full frontal assault on Trump in his presidency. I'm in. Although probably not for the reasons you might think. Because I I think this is how you disintegrate this useless political party, which I'm all for, by the way. And so since I'm not empowered to do it, you know, I'd like it to be like over some like real principled argument. (sighs) I gave up trying to make that happen. so if it's going to be over... Two people that essentially enabled one another. One guy whose lack of political honesty and courage led people to go to somebody who lacks personal honesty and courage (laughs) to be their next champion. If these two essentially want to get into the ring and cause an extinction level event for Team GOP, I'll let you Haskell it. I'm going to be looking for opportunities. I just, I, I just threw something right before we went on the air. I'm going to look for opportunities to, to gaslight that. More gas, more kerosene. I'm totally fine if they just want to practice. Because that fight, by the way, is mutually assured destruction. So if you have been waiting, hoping, could, you know, I, I've got a book coming out in two weeks, why we have no future in the Republican Party. And if I still need to convince you, I mean, I want you to buy the book. But at this point, if you can't be convinced of that, you just chose not to pay attention for the last 24 months, okay? But if if we can't cause an instrument that might actually represent us to occur organically, and one of the reasons we can't cause it to occur organically is there's just too much darn money uh, in shilling for it. That's one of the points I make in the new book, Truth Bombs. Um, then, by hook or by crook, if these two folks— that essentially are, are, one is Dr. Frankenstein, or an archetype for him. Romney type of Republicans are the Dr. Frankenstein here. And then Trump is the monster they've all created. And so, I mean, if they want this to end like a Sophocles play, and they all take Hemlock at the end, I'm down. Are you okay with that? I'm, anybody, can I get a second on that? Second. All, all in favor of Operation Hemlock, say aye. They're finally catching aye. up. Aye. Aye, I'm in. 2019 <laughs> if we Ron. job, Ron. <laughs> 2019's already better.
2: I think we're rubbing off on him just a little bit.
1: <laughs> I want to have a serious conversation about Mattis and his departure, though. Okay, because this just goes to show, uh, you know, why we declared this the year of no BS. The false narratives around yes. his departure. I, I just wanted to puke over Christmas watching this. In many respects, General Mattis... Politically, is a version of Trump. A lot of bombastic talk. I mean, he sounds like a George C. Scott, uh, you know, uh, monologue with a giant American flag behind him. And you half expect him to end it with, and you don't win a war by dying for your cause. You win a war by making the other poor son of a gun die for his, right? That, isn't that the caricature that's sold? Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. Here's what we get, though. So there's, there's all this bombasticity all these viral clips, like when they, when they asked him in the media, what keeps you up at night? He said, nobody. I had to keep everybody else up at night. Oh, yeah. Click-servative media fawning, fawning at them all over the... And then taking the foam, and we're passing it on. Sloppy seconds of foam, passing it around in a self-pleasuring circle while the clicks compile. How do you like the year of no BS so far? You guys liking this? for 15 minutes in. How are we doing?
2: Good, Turn, how are you? Turn
1: it good. up. Yeah, yeah. Let it up. Yeah. I'm going to have pretty much no filter. I just want everybody to... I've, I've got... Michael. This is good. If, if this doesn't feel every day like the christening scene at the end of Godfather Part 2 with Michael Corleone, then by golly, this episode should be titled Today's Fail. All right? We're, a lot of family business needs to be settled this year. Right now. So while we're all foaming about all these viral clips, here's what we got. Uh, cross-dressers in the military. More social engineering, and when Trump said we're going to end that, who was the guy that belayed the order? Who was the guy that belayed it?
2: James Mattis, countermanded uh, it. Yeah, it was James Madison who did. Yeah,
1: said so now we're we're going to keep doing that. Actually, because I like eleven year old drag queens on uh, uh, on Good Morning America, and who knows, they might be our next Navy SEALs. He's endless, the Michael Strahan of this administration. Had, apparently, endless war with no end and, and endless meaning. When I mean, let me define endless. Pointless, meaning. We can't define what winning looks like. I had people tell me, well, Steve, we've been in Europe for 50 years. It's not the same. We're stand- we were standing a post in Europe for decades against an external identifiable foe called the Soviet Union. We're not standing a post in Syria. We're not standing a post in Iraq.
2: We're standing in quicksand.
1: Yes. We are in the middle of a 1700 year sectarian religious war. Would the good guys and bad guys change? Let's talk about Syria. Can we have an honest conversation about Syria for a second? No BS. No BS. So I was on the air every day during in twenty thirteen when the drum beat to invade Syria. We were having that debate in this country every day. Syria had to we had to we needed regime change in Syria. Assad had to go. Obama had issued his red line, and Assad needs to go. And Obama's a punk because he didn't hold up his red line. And every Republican, other than Rand Paul and Ted Cruz and Mike Lee, basically were all beating the war drums the summer and fall of 2013. Time to go to war. Syria needs regime change. January comes around, 2014. We 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 start learning of this little group. We couldn't figure out: Are they ISIL? Are they ISIS? We just know that they're based where? Syria. They're an, I, they're an Al-Qaeda offshoot based in Syria of people who didn't think Al-Qaeda was bloodthirsty enough. Well, suddenly now we need to go back to the Gene Kirkpatrick doctrine of, hey, putting bad people in charge of terrible, tr- you know, third world countries is it, that at least listen to us is better than trying to, you know, urban renewal the Middle East. So now Assad's our friend. And we need now, now we, we literally, in six months, we went from he's got to go, he's a fiend, we need regime change in Syria, that we're literally arming him now to help fight ISIS. We're fighting with him now. And now he's got to go again. Now we got to stay forever because he's a terrible person. Here's the thing. And, the, and then the talking point is, well, if we don't keep doing this over there, they'll come here. So San, San Bernardino. Didn't we just have like a Halloween terror attack in New York City? Um, The Boston Marathon? You're right. They don't don't ever come here, do they? It's not here. I I heard that argument, Todd. That's the argument we heard with going to war in Iraq in 2003. It has been 15 years. Here's what we accomplished. We created a satellite country for Iran called Iraq. We essentially took the Iran-Iraq war and handed Iraq to the Ayatollahs while abandoning the Kurds who have been our allies because of Turkey, who's not. <laughs> then we went, then, then Assad's been a friend. Then he hasn't been a friend. Qatar was where we launched the first Iraq war. And now it's in bed with Al Jazeera and the Islamists. And um, uh, we're told an American journalist, who's not an American, by the way, not an American was murdered by the Saudis. So we've got to go, we've got to, we got to, we got to clamp down on them. Yet when they tried to clamp down on Islamists in Qatar, our previous secretary of state actually sided with the Islam. Do you know who the good guys and bad guys, do you know any of you watching the nine people watching me right now? Especially those of you that have served or, 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 had your loved ones leave your home for 9 months, 12 months, 18 months on, multiple, on one, multiple deployments the last 15 years. Do you know? Do you know who the good guys and bad guys are? Because this is a civilian-led military, not a Pentagon-led one. And you wrote that explanation. And I don't care how many damn viral video clips of Clint Eastwood reenactments Jim Mattis produces. He is not the head of the military. The people of the United States are. And it is from our homes and our families that we are asked to just go and make these sacrifices. Fine. Tell me, what's the cause? How do we win? Because being the eternal mall cop of the civil war that has been going on in that part of the world since Muhammad breathed his last isn't a win. It's endless. It's pointless. Now, I don't like the president's alternative of let's turn Turkey over to Syria or Syria over to Turkey. Uh, That's probably a worse idea than even staying in Syria. And since you guys know where I stand on endless war in the Middle East, I think that gives you a pretty good idea of how bad of an idea I think that is. Creating Islamic hegemony is a worse idea Hard to believe we could come up with a worse idea than perpetual Middle Eastern mall cop. But handing the Middle East over to the, the Turkish would be wannabe caliphate is a war, hege, Islamic hegemony under Irwin is a worse idea than keeping 2,300 Americans in Syria.
2: And guess what? Because of everything you just mentioned, what does that say? It says that we never learn from history or we don't know our history or we don't really even pay attention. It's irrelevant to us, which is why I said at the beginning, we're going to be back there in a year and it's going to be even worse because we're going to be fighting Syria and Turkey and ISIS.
1: And the president owes you more of an explanation, too. You don't just reverse course. We're operating under the same authorized use of military force that was voted to launch the Iraq war. That was 15 years ago. No, we deserve a conversation. We deserve a dialogue, a debate. And I don't want any more, no more we're going to fall for the viral clip. No, the president needs to explain to the American people clearly what we ever went there to do in the first place. Defeat ISIS. Okay, well, what's the evidence that ISIS is defeated? We don't, know, we don't, uh, we don't announce major deployments on Twitter or, re, or, deep, or, 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 or return homes on Twitter. Less than a quarter of Americans have a Twitter account. Fewer than that are active and care what's on it. We are the boss. We are the ones supplying your soldiers and your tax dollars. Explain to us what we're doing and why before we do any more. Enough. Enough. What are we trying to do? It was clear why we had to be in Europe for 40 years. We were against Soviet hegemony. Well, what are we doing now? What's the point? If Afghanistan falls apart 20 minutes after we leave, as Lindsey Graham indicated, then why the hell did we spend 15 years? What did we do the last 15 years there in the first place, Todd? Do you know? It's one listen, militaries are for only two things, folks historically. Only two things: defense and conquering. That's it. So you are either here to defend your way of life, or you are here in order to impose it on others. That's the only reason for a military. Which are we doing in the Middle East? Do you know the answer to this? Do you? Who knows? I'm asking. Who knows? Do you know?
3: I think the most interesting and honest response may have come from uh, Dan Crenshaw, who has been very firm uh, in saying we do need to be there. And he did simply say this: it, "and it's either, and it, it, it's it's obviously still happening here," as you said. But he his statement is it either we either go over there as a professional military and kill them or they come over in vaster numbers than they are now. He said he, he didn't try to gussy it up, as far as I know. He simply said, Um, yeah, we have to stand a post there. Uh we're the professional military. It is our job to so so um instead of just being the David French crowd, there are military men, the ones who are actually are the bleeding, a guy who's actually losing his eye, who is saying it's there aren't good reasons there might there might not be a point who's who's going to stand the post that that's the best answer from a guy who actually bled and isn't just writing white papers to answer your question that i've heard so far
1: so the movie a few good men jack nicholson's the general guantanamo bay if i remember right correct? correct okay what was guantanamo bay american territory right in the heart of a communist country okay what is our post What's our Guantanamo Bay then? I love Dan Crenshaw to death. He essentially lost his eye in order to help create an Iranian satellite state and that if we turn our back for five seconds, the Taliban's in charge. Hot damn. Man, we, routed the t- the t- we were told, we were sold the Taliban was a, was a ragtag bunch of Islamists. They just seemingly can come back just like that if we turn around for five minutes. I think he's I, we need a better yes. explanation then, than we're do. Then what we're doing is, is we're wrong. doing it wrong. Then we either go in and we throw our weight around, or or we simply have to we have to beef up our interior security like the Israelis do to a ridiculous point because we otherwise cannot contain this worldview. But right now we are straddling this fence of in between and accomplishing neither. Agreed. We're accomplishing neither. For the record, I am totally fine with a conquering army. I am not a non-interventionist. I'm a non-idiot. I'm against idiots. That's what I'm against. I'm against being dumb, okay? I'm totally fine with intervening when folks want to intervene. When they make it plain you want to intervene with us, I am so totally fine with intervening with you until you cannot intervene anymore. That's you're, what the military is You're for. saying we,
3: w- th- what we've been doing uh, regarding uh, everything that's happened uh, since the war in Iraq started is basically what happened in the Civil War until Lincoln found Grant.
1: Yes, this is the- we're theorizing. And and why did Lincoln? Why did Lincoln like Grant? Uh, he's a killer. because he fights. Because he fights, he's a killer.
2: Yeah, and we've talked about this before about the world views. And do you really honestly think that a guy, as cool as the sound bites that he has produced are, do you think a guy like James Mattis is going to be able to, who thinks that transgenders and drag queens in the military are A OK? Uh, do you think that he's really going to be able to see for real what the problem is over there? It is a worldview problem that has to be defeated. That's a great point. No, he's not going to be able to see that. Because these guys, West Point and all the military academies, they produce some excellent people with really, really probably a strong character. But the worldview that they are taught from is not a whole lot different, I don't think, than the, the liberal and progressive universities. That's... That is the real issue. And what we're doing over there right now is the military equivalent of smoking another cigarette that just gets you through another maybe hour or so, but then you got the same problem coming back over and over and over again, and we don't realize it.
1: We'll come back. We'll sit, Aaron. We will put it on the line, gaze into the crystal ball, the 10 things we think will happen in 2019 next year on The Blaze. Stay tuned. All right, back here live and on demand on The Blaze. Happy New Year. It's our first show of 2019. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here as well. And you might recall that our last show, one of our last shows of the year, we took a look back at the predictions I made 12 months ago. I do this every single year. I've done this for many years. And the last two years, I've actually done the best with these I've ever done, despite how uncertain the environment continues to become. All right? So I'm going to unveil. My top 10 predictions for 2019. Now, Aaron has seen these. Yep. Todd is not. And I want to get Todd's live, real-time, visceral reaction to all 10 of these. Are you ready to go? Uh, just as long as you're
3: going all the way, that this is a must. Because as you, I've said before, I'm capable of believing just about anything. So make me, there, make there, me go
1: to that place. There's a, there's a few on here. That go to that place for sure. Okay. Now I always start out with the, the, every year. If you if you've gone through these, I have the same genre of prediction to lead it off every year. Okay. So let's start here with with number one. All right. Avengers: Endgame will outduel Star Wars: Episode Nine to be the top grossing movie at the box office. Now before you say that's not going on on a limb, there has only of the of the previous. Are they called saga films, right? Those are the ones, the, are they episodic oh. or saga? Oh, the, the
2: Skywalker saga? I, I, the, so,
1: yes, of the saga Star Wars movies. Yes, yeah, I know what you're saying. Only one of them has ever not been the number one grossing movie of the year. Even episode one was the number one grossing movie of 1999. Uh, episode two, Attack of the Clones, in 2002, which is probably the most panned episode of the franchise, uh, it finished number three that year. That's the only time going back to the original episode four in 1977. That is the only time a, a saga star Wars movie did not end the year, the number one film at the box office. So this would be considered an upset, but I think two things will be at play here. Number one, you have a unique circumstance where we have the first, well, probably since the old Marvel monster films in the thirties and forties, the first true shared cinematic universe across multiple streams, all coming to a head for this singular moment called Avengers Endgame. So I think, and all of these films have been hugely successful to varying degrees. So I think that that creates a unique moment. And then I think there is still some lingering uh, dissension in the ranks about the, the current direction Disney is taking the Star Wars franchise. So, and by the way, next year's release schedule, I, I can know. see why they pushed yeah. Wonder Woman back to 2020. Yeah. Next year is the most packed year I can ever recall for big huge releases. It looks good. Well, yeah.
2: 2016 or 20 yeah, it was or no, it was 2017. 2017 had a ton of uh a ton of big names on it, but I don't think it lived up to expectations. I mean,
1: for just to give the audience an example, Disney is putting out live action Dumbo, no. Aladdin, and Lion King
3: all Yikes. this year.
2: Yikes.
1: All this year. And I think
3: this prediction is all the more interesting. We've talked about this on the show before. 10 years ago when this all started, right? With the first original Iron Man 10 years ago? Yep, 2008. Yeah, yeah. There is no way you, you would have been drunk to predict what you just predicted.
1: It would have been impossible to imagine. That movies about Ant-Man and Thor would make... Two three hundred million dollars to mess Well, that you
3: could, yeah. and you could stain it to have this crescendo. Now, mm-hmm. I didn't believe it. For, I didn't believe they were going to be able to pull off the first uh, Avengers film. Just even though I liked Iron Man, I just said that there's too many moving parts. I just uh, it's going to be campy.
1: They did it. All right, prediction number two for 2019: John Kasich will announce a primary challenge to Donald Trump, and I, I think this will be the best political news Trump will get all year. Because I know the norm is, and, and I get, I know the trend. Presidents who face primary challenges, and if you go back to 1912, you could, even though it was in a general election, essentially uh, Teddy Roosevelt was a primary challenger to um, uh, uh, in that election to his own sitting president Taft. But if you look at the history of primary challenges or party splits going back to 1912, it's always been from the direction of the president's base. Taft was to the right of most of the small P progressive Republican base that Teddy Roosevelt built in, 2000, or in 1912. Kennedy was to the left of Jimmy Carter in 1980. Reagan was to the right of Gerald Ford in 1976. Buchanan was to the right of George Herbert Walker Bush in 1992. It, it's, it's always from the direction where the president, that's an indication the president's base is divided. That a primary challenger from his base is emerging to go after him. This would be the first time a primary challenger would run contrary, would run perpendicular to the president's base. So I don't think the previous models of what primary challenges usually are death knells for sitting presidents. I don't think it applies because we have no precedent of a president being primaried from the opposite direction of his base, thus moving him closer to his base than he currently is in order to stave off that challenge.
3: I think this is absolutely right, and I think, perhaps counterintuitively in some fashion, the fact that he just got done vetoing a gun bill... And a pro-life heartbeat bill, he vetoed and Kasich the, in Kasich in He vetoed yeah. those things in Ohio. Shows me that his sense of self-delusion and being a, a prophet of what is to come is such that he's absolutely. He thinks he is that special. He, he yeah. he's he. Those there, were, were his last two acts as governor. It yes, was yeah. in a special it session, right? It just happened.
2: Yeah. He vetoed his chances. Of having any success against trump
3: yeah oh it's not a matter of success to him he he believes he's a a prophet and i do believe
1: i've said it before we are in the time of the prophets real and false well and i think you're watching with romney's act already this week these guys really don't believe the republican party base is who we have been trying to tell them all these years it is or they don't want to believe it one or the other number three In a rematch, I've always got the Super Bowl prediction, in a rematch of the regular season's most epic game, the Kansas City Chiefs will beat the Los Angeles Rams in the Super Bowl. Last November's Monday night game, was maybe the greatest regular season spectacle in recent memory, from the salute to the first responders to one of the highest, I think it was the highest scoring game in the history of the regular season, including three defensive touchdowns. I think the sequel in the Super Bowl will be memorable as well, and I think the Chiefs win and come away with their first Super Bowl in 48 years.
3: I love the – I originally my prediction at the beginning of the year, it's still alive, it was uh, Saints-Chargers, so I have to hold to that. But I am officially – Aaron, take it to the bank. I am in the Chiefs uh, camp. The, it's an incredibly uh, fun team, and the fact that they handled their business midseason when they were running back who was beating on women, yeah. when they said, you're out of here. Uh, th- that just made me want to be on board all the more. That the Holmes is just a pleasure to watch and to listen to as a young man. Um, uh, t- so despite my prediction, I'm all in on the Chiefs. Now I'm
1: glad you brought went, went there because the dude code, like last year, even though I didn't think the two teams I had picked in the Super Bowl in the preseason would win it, they were both alive in the playoffs. So the dude code demanded yes. that I had to stick with that prediction to the end. But my preseason pick of the Vikings and the Texans cannot happen now. The Vikings are not in the playoffs. So the dude code says, I am now free you are. to adjust to the new information. And that's why this is
2: my prediction of what's going to happen. I'm fairly confident now that the Chiefs will flame out in the first, uh, in the divisional round, thanks to this.
1: Well, that would be like what they pretty much always have done. Under both Marty oh, no. Schottenheimer and Andy Reid, what Reed. they've
2: usually done is flame out in the wild card round. Oh, true. that's
1: true. You know, that's true too. Well, Apples and flame orders. out in the first playoff game round they yeah. play. That's, that's typically At home. what they do. Yeah. Yes, At home. Um, I, I think they were the first team in NFL history to lose a playoff game to a team that didn't score an offensive touchdown to the Steelers a couple of years ago. Right? Yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they, they usually invent ways to lose playoff games, but they have not it's had a quarterback a like this before. Yeah. All right, prediction number four: the only major piece of bipartisan legislation that will be passed will be regulation of social media platforms. Here's why. This is a rare area where the, uh, the, the base desires of both parties intersect, their motivations. The Democrats want to set the example and set the precedent for the future use, nefariously, of course, that the government has a say in who has access to these platforms. They want to set that precedent. But the progressive censorship... That's going on with these platforms is becoming so dangerous and debilitating that it has left many of us on the right with no alternative now. But to say the government has to force these guys to choose one of these two business models and the Republicans definitely with an election coming up in 2020 that looks to be very contentious and a media that has become so biased Jill Abramson the former Editor of the Washington Post is out today. To, or, or is it the New York Times? It's Times. The New York Times. She's out today talking about the fact that her, the, her former paper, she's a lib, her former paper's Trash. It's, it's, it's literally Trump oppo research on the front cover every day. Republicans are going to be like, we need places to get our information out. And I think you will see, therefore, because they both right now, it's a marriage of convenience. Their two desires intersect for the time being, the Republicans for the short term, Democrats for the long term. I think this will be the only major piece of bipartisan legislation we see this year.
3: I, I can't see it happening. I, I just cannot see kumbaya on any level,
1: oh, I don't think it's kumbaya. Oh, well, I think it's if you can't be with the one you love, honey, love the one you're with. That's what I think.
3: I, it's perhaps a fault on uh, in my uh reading of the stars. I just can't see it happening, man.
2: Okay, Aaron, you have any thoughts on this one? Oh boy, I, yeah, I still can't, I, I cannot see this happening at this at this point. But if there was, you know, if both both sides need to, there's going to be so much gridlock. If both sides are really desperate to show their base, they can do something. Um, I mean, all, all of the major uh, tech corporations in America, or at least most recognizable ones, have already testified in front of Congress for one reason or another. That could happen. If, if we get desperate enough to show both, both of these sides to show, well, hey, we're doing something, we're earning our paychecks, yeah, this, this could happen. So I love you
1: guys. Swing for the fences. First time I do, right, there's no way it can happen. That will never occur. So, got to like it. Number five, relations with China. China will grow frostier, including it forging an unprecedented pact with North Korea and Russia, essentially an axis, a triumvirate. That, um, it will also announce it intends to beat us to a manned mission to Mars. And essentially, this will be China's overall attempt to further assert itself geopolitically to take advantage of what will be a a year of high domestic political turmoil here in the United States.
3: I agree with this certainly in the the general sense right out of the gate and it's sh- generally it should be frostier this whole thing where they became yeah. our landlord was ridiculous in the extreme for way too long so it should be more real politic in that sense but then you go on and you get more specific and when you talk about the actual uh, axis that you're talking about uh, it's it's dangerous uh, territory I think the f- luckily China knows as well as we do how crazy North Korea is and, and how cozy they can or cannot be with them. So maybe that's an ace we have in the hole on that front. But it, th- that certainly gives you pause. Ge- more generally speaking, though, it is good
1: that it uh, will be frostier because it will be more realistic. The difference between – I think it happens with North Korea instead of Iran. A lot of people are, are, are claiming they think this is going to happen with Iran. I don't think it, almost anybody wants to – you may want to do business with Iran because they have oil in a lot of people. No one trusts the Iranians. Most of the Muslim world doesn't. Uh, And the difference between the North Koreans and the Iranians for the Chinese is, one, proximity, historical um, hegemony for the Chinese in that part of the world. But two, it's a singular crazy in North Korea. It's real. Eventually, Mm -hmm. you can find common self-interest with a singular crazy. When you are driven by collective religious zeal and crazy, and, and we're talking about authoritarian dictatorship in Russia, secular authoritarian dictatorship in China. In the end, when one side's really committed to their crazy and you're like, well, we're kind of committed until we get what we want. And then we're not, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You, that's not a long term marriage there. I, I think the, to me, it makes much more sense for this, for this to be the, the triumvirate here, not Iran, Russia and China. Number six. Joe Biden will emerge as the clear frontrunner in the 2020 Democratic primary. And I think what you'll see in the Democratic Party is a lot like what we've seen in in the past in the Republican primary, where we've had a bunch of candidates running over here all for the activist vote. And then like one candidate, a John McCain, a Mitt Romney running over here for the, you know, the, the swampy establishment leadership vote. I think that's what's going to happen here. You've got all, every candidate is going to be in uh, over here with the new left. All proving we hate white people and Christians and Jews more than anybody else does. We promise. No one can hate them more than us. And I think you're going to have Uncle Joe over here. He'll have some street cred with this group because he was Obama's VP. And Obama's the most popular Democrat since JFK. So, So while he won't win this group over, he won't create an instant backlash to his candidacy. So while seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 candidates are over here fighting for this group of people, Biden's going to be over here with the old left. And and he's going to consolidate that entire vote. And he's going to get 35, 38 percent in almost in all these polls and in all these primaries. And I think he will be the clear Democratic frontrunner by this time next year. I think he will definitely be the
3: clear Democratic frontrunner, at least through the end of the <clears throat> summer. By this time next year, it really depends on if anybody in that soup that you mentioned, and you're absolutely right, it, is successful in grabbing onto people as Barack Obama did because you know
1: that's what their base wants. Looking at all those, none of them have the talent. Well, I, and the thing I've, is, Obama was the first to consolidate that base and prove you could win by rallying I, I, it. I agree. Now you're going to have, now it's, not, now it's Obama and John Edwards kind of win for that base in 08. You got nine candidates going for that base right now. I know. And I don't I, see, I don't think any of them can separate themselves.
3: I, I agree, it, other than the fact that the wish casting that will be involved by the base to just imagine that it's there, even if it isn't, and putting somebody up who, who just they, they, ultimately, if they just decide that they got to go with their religious zeal and in, instead of pragmatism. But I, I
1: I totally agree. I think it's now, just. I'm not predicting he's going to be the nominee. No, I know you're not. Okay, but but we're talking about the sifting yeah, process. Agreed. I think what you're talking about is what happens in February and March of next year. Probably. Okay. When they when they finally figure out mm-hmm. we can't have nine of these candidates, guys. Mm-hmm. All right. If we want one of these true hard leftists, we got to figure out who's the strongest one through. Now that we're through Iowa, and New Hampshire, rally behind that person. Otherwise, Uncle Joe's going to win this but nomination. You do agree that there's a
3: high likelihood that they, even if there really isn't that person, they're going to wish
1: cast it into existence they can uh, eventually they yes. will yeah i just don't think you'll see that this year uh number eight seven i'm sorry number seven thank you uh, president trump will meet face to face with the iranian government and before you scoff at this ask yourself if i would have predicted 12 months ago when it looked like we were this close to a nuclear exchange with north korea that we would end up with that uh, bromance on the peninsula between Kim Jong-un and, uh, and Donald Trump. If I'd have made that prediction right here 12 months ago, what would you have said? Probably have the same look on your face you have right now about meeting with Iran. And the reality is we have much more self-interest at stake with Iran when you start talking about oil, the Middle East, and everything else. There's much more. If you were ever going to acknowledge a rogue regime that makes any conciliatory, conciliatory attempt, no matter how phony whatsoever, to legitimize itself, you have much more of a reason to do it with Iran. They're far more dangerous than North Korea. I, I will accept this uh, as realistic because uh, when you said about
3: social media, I just think that both sides' sense of what the limits are of the game. Will By the way, them. whose
1: leaders are active on our social media? Iran's. Mm-hmm. I and mean, they comment on our college football, their, our movies. They're on social media all the time. Yeah. But the, to my point about
3: Trump, he has no limits. Like the other two parties think that they have, whether they should have them or not. He has no limits and he'll just say, oh, this if sounds If Iran fun.
1: showed Trump a little leg... Yeah. One conciliatory speech, yeah. and gave him the notion that he could be the guy that could bring Iran into the into the modern era. You think his ego could resist that for three seconds? No, Khamenei, I I agree. no way.
2: Khomeini's a masterful leader, boy. Nobody's stronger than Khomeini right now. Yes,
1: which is exactly. Yeah, hey, his you know, he's a his strong leader. People respect him. Keeps him in line. You know, it's weird about North Korea last year, right? Yeah. All right. Now we're on number eight. At least one member of the Trump family will be criminally indicted as a result of the Mueller probe. You can see it's working its way outside in so we got the campaign guy we got the lawyer this last year it's going to be someone whose last name is trump this year i appreciate your continued zeal for going
3: all the way on this you've been consistent uh i i i think the dude code simply says that i i, I have to be consistent on some level that this is going to be a nothing burger so i the and you keep getting me closer. You keep pulling me in, but I I, I think it would be wrong for me. I respect uh, that to fudge now. So I I, respect I, I'll that.
1: say no. Okay. I like how Sharon speaks, <laughs> I didn't give a name. <laughs> that's Aaron's editorial it's, comment. It's me. I did it. <laughs> uh, number nine. The Democrat House will vote to impeach Donald Trump. Bye. I think this is a foregone conclusion. Yes. Is what I think. Can't help themselves. I think they won so many seats now they can protect uh, yeah. uh, ten or fifteen guys in swing districts that won't like it. Yep. I think if they had won twenty five seats, no, but they won forty seats. They got plenty of seats to spare yep. now. There's no doubt they're going to do it now. All right, so we're going to be we're going to have one more big prediction for 2019. We'll share it next hour. Stay tuned. of no bs here that's our theme in 2019 on the steve day show live and on demand on the blaze 888-900-3393 is the number 888-900-3393 todd and aaron are here with me we would love it if you join us as well via the stevedays.com inbox steve at stevedace.com is the email address like us on facebook follow us on twitter at steve day show for those of you listening on the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Leave us a five-star review while you're there, please. We would appreciate it. Thank you to all of you that have done that already. Thank you. So we've been going through. We got our, our truth bomb today coming up here in a matter of moments. But we've been going through. It's our first show back. I'm announcing my 10 predictions for 2019. Then if if this new uh, partnership here at Blaze Media, if it's desperate, I'm sorry, wise enough, to continue to employ us for the next 12 months. We will look back and see how many of these I got right 12 months from now, which we did at the end of our, our last year, a couple of weeks ago. Right. I I have one prediction left and the, the I write these for a column every year and it's going to run for a conservative review on Friday. And I've had, I had nine of these done for about six days or five days. And I, I needed one that I thought was plausible, but nuts. Nuts in that, I thought it would be the perfect encapsulation of the moment in which we are in. Spirit of the age in a snapshot. The duality, um, the zaniness, the fact that every norm that either used to hold us back, but also in a bad way, but also restrain us in a good way, all those norms are all being blurred to just outright erased now. Okay, Restraint is not on the menu. And I, I needed something that would show that. And so I, I pondered this for several days. What can, I, what can I imagine that would actually happen? That we would be like, that's just nuts. And that's, but that's our, that's our normal right now. Here's my best attempt at that with this prediction. My number one prediction for 2019. President Trump will fill a Supreme Court vacancy in the Senate. While, Bye. He is, <laughs> while he is is facing impeachment hearings in the House. You want to talk about your ultimate split screen? McConnell and the, and I don't know. It could be Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She had another health scare. It, she's obviously well into her 80s. It could be Clarence Thomas who was in that photo. There's been rumors about him maybe looking at retirement. He's been there for a quarter century now. A little bit longer than that. So I don't know who it will be. But would it not be... The ultimate symbolic snapshot of two Americas, to have the Republican America in the Senate, acting like whatever's going on in the House just isn't happening. And they're just dutifully filling a U.S. Senate seat or Supreme Court seat, because that's the one thing that they do that they're that they do that their base cares about is that judicial appointments. That's it. Meanwhile, over in the House, it's literally on fire while the Democrats America is impeaching Trump and I could, could you imagine what it would be like for those two things to be happening congruently at the same time? It's perfect. It, it, it. In terms of the list
3: itself, this is perfect because where we started, this is like all the pieces of the in- Avengers yeah. coming together in Endgame. <laughs> this is our political Endgame right there. It it must happen. It's clearly in the stars.
2: V- vision went through all uh, you know billion scenarios, and this is the only scenario where number 10 actually <laughs> <Yes>. happens.
1: <laughs> That's well done. Aaron's on a roll. He's been saving it up for the last few weeks. You, you can tell he's, you know, he's going to get a totally suck like the rest of the year. Because he has been like cash money today, shaved. He's actually, uh, you know, he's been on point. He's made a couple of nice points. Yeah. He, you oh. know, you know, it's mailing it in for the rest yeah. of the
2: year. I know. Us. I feel like I'm turning a new leaf. Do you a little bit?
1: All right, so maybe like next week. Yeah. All right, yeah. we'll have a good few days. Yeah.
2: a good few days. Get a get a week out of me. Oh, it's only three days this week. That's why we get a week
1: out of you. Yeah, Yeah, good first week. All right, let's get to today's uh, Truth Bomb, my completely contrived attempt uh, to have an excuse to promote my forthcoming book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise. It releases in two weeks, January the 15th, 13 days to be exact, you can get your pre-ordered copy at Amazon.com right now, endorsed by the great one, Mark Levin, Glenn Beck, Ben Shapiro, and more. Truth bombs, confronting the lies conservatives believe to our own demise. So we're going to use an interview I gave yesterday on C-SPAN's Washington Journal, where I kind of wanted to use that as my test market to set the, just kind of, set the tone right away. You know, they've had me on the first few years. Uh, the last few years, they've had me on New Year's Day to kind of, you know, uh, get the view of middle America. And so here was my attempt to throw in as many truth bombs as I possibly could to C-SPAN yesterday.
0: Joining us from Iowa, Steve Dace, uh, the host of the Steve Dace Show on The Blaze TV and the author of the book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservative Believe to Our Own Demise. Good morning to you. Good morning, Pedro. Happy New Year. How are you? Fine. Thank you. Happy New Year to you. Uh, how do you gauge this sense of optimism or pessimism looking at the year ahead?
1: Well, I mean, on one hand, uh, as a Christian, I'm always eternally optimistic. But Politically, in my day job, uh, this year's going to suck. Uh, and, and, you know, pretty much every year uh, has been uh, worse than the previous one. And I think this year you will see uh, the molar probe come to an end. Uh, or or come to a head, I should say, and it will end with an indictment of at least somebody in the Trump family. I think you'll see impeachment in the House. Um, I I think you'll see every Democrat other than Joe Biden running for president in my state, running to the hard left, trying to be the intersectionality candidate. Um, And then I think you'll see the president, uh, often in all caps, uh, emoting, uh, like a nine year old on Twitter. So our jobs are going to be tons of fun, but Hey, Pedro, at least it beats going down a mine shaft with a flashlight. Right. And, and
0: so then uh, with all those things being said, then as far as things being done in Washington, a thing we talk about here all the time, you're, are you of the mind that nothing will get done?
1: Um, I think unless there's a Supreme Court uh, seat to fill uh, say Ruth Bader Ginsburg's health or Clarence Thomas. There's been rumors that he's talked about uh, retirement uh, recently unless there's an opening on the court. I think largely nothing will get done. I I do think you may see some bipartisan action uh, when it comes to online access. You know Democrats would love to set the precedent that the government uh, has control of the Internet. And Republicans are growing increasingly wary of the uh, of the progressive censorship of the social media giants. I could see some bipartisan action there where their motivations coincide briefly. But for the most part, this is going to be a year of uh, mudslinging and grandstanding. Count on it
0: Uh, when it comes then to the president. When it comes to the current shutdown, is that something you agreed or did not agree with?
1: Well, I think the president—I uh, have to believe—we're given false choices. I, I'm fine with shutting the government down on principle. I just think most of it's unnecessary. I mean, most of the Department of Commerce is laid off uh, as "quote non-essential." I mean, what, what in the Sam Hill do we have the Department of Commerce for if they're non-essential? Would be my view. But I think this is uh, this is an unnecessary fight. I think what the president ought to do is simply take the foreign aid that we give to Mexico every year, which is about $300 million, and the $1.3 billion we give to the nations that are on the terrorist watch list that Obama created and then he emulated, and just take that money and earmark it towards the building of a wall and just say to Mexico, we're not giving you a nickel of foreign aid until we finish building the wall. Thank you. I, 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 don't, I think most of this is what I like to call on my show, masterpiece theater, Uh, And it is done to drum up the two ends of the phone lines uh, to shows like yours. That's what Uh, I think.
0: uh, You probably follow polls as closely as we do here. If you go to Real Clear Politics and looking at the president's job approval ratings, granted, uh, not higher than the disapproval ratings, but at least in the 40s over the last couple of uh, ranges of polls. What do you think about those numbers and what does it say about the Trump supporter in your mind?
1: Well, I think that we've uh, we've spent this last year talking about the electorate being uh, polarized, and that's true, but I don't think it's precise. It's actually balkanized. There are too many places now where the cultural differences are so hardened, no matter who the Democrats nominate or who the Republicans nominate, they cannot win. And so I think in this election cycle- and, and I and this is not pearl clutching. Uh, you know, I hate when I you know, when I when I do shows with liberal commentators to try to give me advice as a conservative, which is to basically run myself into the ground. OK, I, I mean this sincerely as a voter who has really no regard for the Republican Party at all because it's backstabbed me so many times. If the Democrats nominate somebody likable, like, say, Joe Biden, they're going to beat Donald Trump. I think people are beyond overwhelmed and, and, and tired of the shtick in the act. But if they nominate another Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, far left culture warrior, they will play right into his hands and he will troll the Sam Hill out of that person uh, and, and exploit all of those cultural differences uh, to his advantage. So I think it really comes down to, uh, do the Democrats wanna win an election or do they wanna win the, the Haight-Ashbury uh, Cal faculty school president election? Which one do they wanna win?
0: What is the difference between Joe Biden and the others you mentioned? Is it is it just like ability?
1: He's very likable but he also comes from an era where Democrats had to like pretend to talk to people like me rather than currently have Camilla Harris saying if you're really Catholic you can't serve in government and a couple of years ago Bernie Sanders said to the uh, to Russ vote when he was running for director of but of the of, of the budget of OMB that because he taught at Wheaton College and believes uh, the New Testament he can't serve in government. I mean, there's a new left now that that the difference is they don't want they don't want to let you do the stuff God says is dumb and immoral. They want to compel government to force you to do those things. And if you don't, well, then you're a second class citizen and bake the cake bigot. So if they get a Joe Biden who actually has, you know, spent time on Earth with folks like me in places like Iowa and realizes even though we might be different, you know, we're not uh, from uh, uh, the planet Funkatron, then they've got a chance. If they nominate someone else who believes in cultural Marxism and wants to Prove that indeed the talking points of the tenure meeting at the Cal Berkeley faculty is the new direction America ought to take. They're going to lose. Uh,
0: by the way, some of his thoughts of our, ge- our guest is uh, found on the Conservative Review website. I can tell you right now what will happen in 2020. You can find the piece there. Uh, talk a little bit about House Republicans. Where do they go from here, particularly under the leadership of Kevin McCarthy?
1: Probably nowhere. Uh, probably the exact same place they went before. You know, Ket, you mentioned uh, the one of the websites I work for, Conservative Review. I, I don't know what your politics are, but I gotta believe you'd at least be better than his 35% Liberty Score uh, just by showing up. So, uh, Kevin McCarthy going to do your typical Republican thing of of talking really tough now that he has n- in the minority and he has no power to do anything whatsoever, and he'll get all the cable news hits and he'll be our new conservative hero uh but you saw when he was in office and his party was in power they screwed over their base and that's the thing i think if there are any liberals watching or liberal media people watching and you're like i don't understand why the republican base is so loyal to trump there is a cultic aspect to it i was actually one of the first people to label it trump cult but beyond that there's a difference and that is you saw in the shutdown you know trump Took a lot of criticism from his base for appearing to back down a few weeks ago. And he responded to it. He was sensitive to it. All the other Republicans in Washington in charge don't care what people like me think. And they have come to the conclusion they can screw Shaft people like me nine ways till Sunday, and then they'll just come around in November and say, but the Democrats, and we'll vote for them no matter what they do to us. Trump's the last Republican left in leadership in Washington who's actually sensitive to the concerns of his base, who actually listens to them. Uh, and, and as long as that remains the case, they're going to be much more loyal to him than they are to the likes of
0: Kevin McCarthy. Uh, before you leave, then, what other story, aside from the ones we've talked about, what are you watching for in, in 2019, something we've not talked about?
1: I want to watch to see if conservative media will spend more time or at least as much time pushing Trump uh, as they will covering for him. Because one of the things we saw this last year, whether it was when Trump got skittish about the Paris Climate Accords, when he wanted to do uh, the the uh, the amnesty giveaway, I think it was Memorial Day or Fourth of July weekend, uh, and then the shutdown here this month. You know, it's rare. Most of conservative media uh, spends their time basically, uh, uh, you know uh, – apologizing and propagandizing for donald trump when we've pushed him though he has responded to us every single time he's going to be particularly vulnerable this coming year he'll be he'll be vulnerable criminally he'll be vulnerable politically he needs us bigly and so i think man we ought to have a bucket list and a christmas shopping list right now because i think we can get things out of him we couldn't get out of previous republicans but as jesus once said you have not because you ask
0: not uh, you say that, and we've just seen the recently demise of the Weekly Standard, a publication that was very critical of the president.
1: Well, the difference is they were critical of the president because they they, they didn't want him to do the things his base actually wants him to do, like repeal Obamacare, uh, you know, uh, secure the border. But the difference between folks like the Weekly Standard and me, by and large, is a lot of the cultural issues that are the reason people like me in, in places where I live vote or watch shows like mine – They more agree with the Democrats on those cultural issues than they do people like me. And so the issue they really had with the president beyond he obviously has moral moral issues. That's just not even debatable. And I I don't know what in the Sam Hill that all caps tweet for Happy New Year was today. I, I don't know if he was drunk tweeting again. I don't know what that was. Okay, but beyond the boorish behavior, they really disagree with people like me on the issues. And that's that's their major problem with Trump is they don't want him to keep his promises to people like me. So that was my attempt yesterday on C-SPAN New Year's morning to set the tone for the year of no BS. Todd and Aaron, your thoughts? Well, I love
3: that you actually tweeted out that people on both sides, whatever the sides are, were instantly mad at you. So well done, uh, good and faithful service. The two That's cults, always- I
1: mean, are the the progressive cult is a cult. It is It is the heresy of the era, and it's the one I originally got into this business to— push back against um, but it's the cult of the state it's the it's the it's the cult of Dionysus it's the cult of Baal of our era is the is the cult of progressivism they weren't happy with what I said uh, and then uh, you know the uh, Cheeto Jesus uh, Trump's our savior cult um, and so, I mean, if I'm, I'm frankly not happy if either one of those people aren't trying to, uh, say bad things or even worse towards me, I, mm-hmm. I, I failed today. And I like the distinction
3: you made when he asked, well, the, uh, Bill Crystal and the weekly standard, it just failed. So pushing back that distinction you made is crucial because what you don't do is what they did and what others are now trying to do. And I haven't read uh, the column uh, yet that comes out in another new periodical. It's about how to be a conservative in the age of Trump. the The distinction that you make there, and it's so important. There is no age of Trump. He's the president right now, uh, but there will be no conservatism worth having as long as we keep framing it that way. This is the age of progressivism, and he has popped out of that just as many other weird uh, and bizarre things have. But as long as you continue to obsess about and make an idol out of Donald Trump, instead of dealing with him as one of many variables, it's perhaps one of the largest variables, I get that. But the obsession about him does not allow you to see the good, the bad, and the otherwise. And oftentimes, you flip those things, and you aren't capable of making the most out of this situation. And therefore, you will never have anything that's genuinely conservative.
2: Yeah, uh, a couple of observations: one on what we just heard, and then a uh, kind of a, a more broad observation about um, your interviewer. Uh, what I, I love how it was just like, yeah, no, uh, no, yes, no. It this. We kind of have this whole demise of Western civilization thing, or at least you do, have it down to a, a science. And that's um, both sad and also kind of fun to watch at the same time, uh, particularly when it comes to – and I don't think this can be underscored enough because you know if you are a student of history, we will get fooled again. But what you said about uh, McCarthy in leading Republicans and where the Republic they don't go anywhere because they are going to be – he is our new conservative. I wish you would have – I'm a little bit ticked off at you that you didn't throw this in. But he is right now our new conservative hero, trademark. You should have thrown in the trademark <laughs> there. I'm a little bit ticked that you did not. But yeah, that's what he's, he is and that's what he's going to be because he is going to be the most conservative, conservative, whoever, dover, whoever did conservative. You know that's coming. He's going to He's going to introduce uh, Drew bill. That's what I would maybe predict for the year uh i probably should have predicted during the year and day's group he's going to introduce a bill that would probably do a complete and total defund of planned parenthood maybe Yep. Maybe that's a little bit too much. Uh, he's no, going, you're right. He's going to try to defund uh, Obamacare again. Yep. He's going He's going to do every conservative wet dream under the sun because he knows that there are not going to be any votes in his chamber to actually pass anything. So he's going to make hay while the sun shines here, or maybe when it's in Washington, he's going to uh, make more swamp water while it's raining. I mean, that's that's basically what he's doing. He knows the game, and again, I don't think that can be underscored enough because people can keep getting fooled over and over and over again. A, cu- a quick observation about your interviewer here. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I've just got some tunnel vision right here. I don't know if I've ever heard a time that you've been on C-SPAN or really anybody else has been on C-SPAN where they re- it's obvious the bias that they're coming in with. Now, there's probably a liberal bias but uh, you, I think you said at one point, uh, I don't know what your politics are. Did you say that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Isn't – just stop and think about – Isn't that refreshing? Yes, it's weird. Yeah, It's really quite weird. It does feel and odd. And that's probably why yeah. not I mean people watch C-SPAN, there was callers on that show all the show that you weren't on. There were callers on that show. So if people watch C-SPAN, they don't pull in the nearly the numbers that <clears throat> CNN and MSNBC. Maybe if those brand names actually did some, you know, journalism and act, asked some, you know, real questions, uh maybe they would pull in some more viewers. But it is it is interesting how you have to go to C-SPAN of all places to actually not feel Like you're in some sort of um, progressive encampment.
1: That's a good point. You are on, dude, he is on fire today. Just give him the shelf. I'm kind of at the point now where I kind of, you know, like when your favorite team is winning by five or six touchdowns and you're like, hey, save some of these. (laughs) You know, there's a few games left on the calendar. I'm a a little bit worried that. uh, He's emptying the tank today.
2: Oh, dude, we're about to play buy, sell, hold, which is my <laughs> weekly segment of not doing my job. But,
1: but to echo
3: Aaron's point, because it just <clears throat> popped into my head, it, 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 it there was just something um, it, it, it was genuine. Yeah,
2: inquisitiveness.
3: Whereas you know we were introduced uh, on New Year's Eve ah. to uh, where, where did Brooke Baldwin's sensitivities go? Talking about uh, the color of Her red uh, panties uh, or something. Yeah. Yeah. In front of children, there was a small child immediately behind her. They're talking about underwear. Was a red underwear
1: for yeah. loving or something? And and, and and yet, I remember boobs just set her off. But that while you know, while uh, Anderson Cooper's doing shots. Yes. And talking about uh, his mom having sex with uh, Marlon Brando or something. But these are
3: the people. No matter what question they ask, <clears throat> s- some conservative uh, go, conservative goes on to their channel and takes it all at face value. Well, that's uh, yeah. how do I answer this question? Yeah. How Makes do I it. untie this question? That's why I uh, just
1: decided. You know what? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing any of their panels anymore. I'm just not. If, if it, you know what. I've had I have my issues with Fox, but if they ask me on a panel, I at least know what their angle is. Right? It's a pro Trump angle. And I can find a place to critically go back and forth. When it begins from a premise of everything's racist, yeah. Everything's homophobic, every, every you're all terrible people, but when I act and behave exactly in the way I'm condemning, it's totally okay. I I I, I can't there, there's not honest brokers doing a whole – it's just not an honest – we're not having an honest debate. I'll show up if it's – I'll show up like if C-SPAN called me and said, hey, we're going to put you on live with nine liberals. I'm there. Because these ground rules, it, it, it's not like it, – I'm not going to give you the, the classic Rush Limbaugh line with half my brain tied behind my back. It's not me. <clears throat> Pardon me. My voice is not up to uh, uh, playing weight yet. After being off for a few weeks, but it's not me. It's just that I'm that confident that what I believe, history abides by. That if you give me it's the letting the lion out of its cage thing, Mister Spurgeon. Let me I, I just give me a chance. To let the lion out of its cage. It'll do just fine. But on your panels with five other people that are seven and a half minutes, and it starts with I believe in Christian Sharia law. I, I, that's not a. That's not a conversation. It's not. It's nothing. Really, really, it's, what the host is, is, is Paul of Tarsus holding tunics while people are stoning. That's really what it is. That's not a panel. That's not a debate. I'm not, you know, that's a, that's a minor form of a persecution, and I don't have to volunteer for it. Now, if you give me a debate, now, I said panel. They call me for an interview. I'll show up, but they'll never do that or rarely do that. Why? Because they don't want that, what you just saw. Uh, they don't want that on CNN, MSNBC. I don't even know if they want it on Fox, frankly. You know, so they don't want that. Um, they they want you to conform to their pre-existing notions to the script. Mean Gene Okerlund passed away today. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a fixture of my childhood. The interviews with Hulk Hogan. Oh yeah, Macho Man Savage. I mean that. I had the wrestling album as a kid. I can't believe he was only 76 years old. I know. He seemed like he was 76 years old back then. 40 when, years in, ago in, or 30 years ago, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, um, but it's funny, the timing, because that's essentially what these networks are looking for. It, this isn't real. It's Cherry Girl and I'm Gonna Get You sucker. These aren't their real lips. These aren't their real brains. These aren't their real beliefs. They don't really have any. I, I'm, why? Because they're in a religious cult. They're in a progressive religious cult. Chuck Todd, who at times has done some good journalism, and we've pointed out when he has. What was the show he did last Sunday? We're going to devote an entire show to climate alarmism, and we won't entertain any dissenting views. That's not a show. That's advocacy. No, he's basically the guy in the vaping store yelling at the guy who came in in a <laughs> yes. mega hat.
3: That's, that's journalism. Yes,
1: yes. I, I just, I I don't, it, I, I'm not. it. I I am fine. It doesn't help me from a career standpoint to do these things, but I liked doing them in the past because it gave me a chance to maybe reach an audience to evangelize really with my belief system. But we've gone from now. We're not at the temple debating the other, the other prophets and other priests and other uh, keepers of the flame. We're not doing that now. This is Herod's palace. And, and Herod doesn't care about Herod. Herod is not a Pharisee or a Sadducee who has an, Earnest inkling for a debate. Herod wants a show. Herod doesn't care about any of these things. He's not vested in any of these existential outcomes. He wants a show, and I'm just not interested in taking part in it. That's what I won't. I'm out. I'm done. Call me for an interview. I'll show up. And you can ask me as many snotty questions from any snotty premise you want, because I'm pretty confident I can club every one of them. And again, it's not because I've got like a—I don't even know what my IQ is, frankly. It's just because I've actually looked at history, took notes, and it's on my side because I'm on its side. The old Abraham Lincoln you know, line, we're not—this isn't about whether God's on our side. I'm praying we would be a people that would be on his. I'm, I'm on the right side of history because I recognized I'm not the one shaping it. See what I'm, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean by that? Mm-hmm. That's why you can ask me any question you want from any snotty premise you want and put it live on TV. I'm not afraid. But you put me in a situation where I'm set up to fail from the beginning because you want to foil and I'm done. I'm not doing that crap anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't it, here's what it does. It turns me into a person I don't want to be, which which puts me in a position where I can't reach an audience of people I'd like to reach. You can't evangelize at Herod's palace, okay? That's the difference between having dinner with pagans and showing up at their orgies. That's the difference. And to the degree that there's an audience open to hearing all that,
3: you could sense it in your body language on there too. I really enjoyed it, yeah. Like, I was half expecting you to just like, put your feet up and show us your pajama pants or remember that during the OJ stuff that what Joe did De, to Geneva, that attorney yes. who always came on with the cigar, yeah. which I always loved. Even if he said crazy things, it was just like, no pretense here. Come on. We're just, let's just be like, no BS. I'm going to exhibit it in, Every pore of my being, you're going to see it from me. There's no posturing. There's no nothing. Uh, Instead, The only thing that was posturing is perhaps the bookcase behind you that made you look like these are all the books I've read. You (laughs) You should have just had some burn it down, like the Elmo on fire thing behind you.
1: I even sent them an email afterwards. Because you guys know I hate getting up really early for people. I like getting up early, just not for other people. I kind of like to read, (laughs) hang out, get my workout in.
3: let's be clear. This is about me, not about you. Yes, I've got a
1: routine. (laughs) No BS. I have a morning routine. I don't like disrupting it. You guys know that, okay? But I even told them, for you guys, if you're going to give me, you can ask me any questions you want from any premise you want. You can challenge me from any direction you want. But if you're going to let me come on there and earnestly answer your questions, then I mean, I got a setup link right up, you know, right down the hall here. I know you guys are up pretty early. Give me a call. I'll do this as often as possible. Yeah, you know, let's do it weekly. Yeah, Cuz I'm this is worth my now now I'm doing something. It's worth my time. Okay? You know, but I I am fine talking to opposing audiences when you give me a chance to talk to opposing audiences.
2: Yeah, That's, this is I mean, what this has turned into is that when you first did hits on MSNBC, one of the only conservatives to go there, you thought you were there to watch uh, a football game. Mm-hmm. A football game. What it's become is you're getting invited to go to a football game and then you show up and a soccer match broke out. They're just playing a completely different game that's totally not worth your time. Well, and that's and what I managed the- to get a uh, an elbow in a Todd. No,
3: he's well, yes you did, but you're exactly right because those opposing voices you're talking about, those audiences, they Hate that you never take the bait. Yeah. They hate it.
1: Yes, they and want because everybody to con- else does. They've they want successful. someone to conform to a side. Yes. I mean, I just saw this tweet as we were talking. Somebody, uh, Jerry Dunleavy, uh, put out um, a clip of Joe Biden saying Mitt Romney's going to put you all in chains. And today, Romney is the is is on these channels. He's all their favorite. Five years ago, or six years ago, he was a racist xenophobe that was going to end us. That's the fake that we're talking about. More in a moment.
2: Still getting the timing down. I was was waiting and never heard our big voice guy. That's all right.
1: Back here live and on demand on The Blaze, I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. For the first time in 2019, let's get to it. It is a Wednesday. Let's play our weekly game of Buy, Sell, or Hold. This is when our producer Aaron, usually with a lot of help from his friends. You out in the audience... Uh, goes through a series, we hope, of interesting and provocative statements. Todd and I will decide, are we buying that? Are we selling that? Hopefully we'll have at least one good reason why we chose one or the other. Once per week we are permitted one hold, but if we use that hold for any reason other than this is such a lame proposition not worthy of us dignifying it with a choice, the Dude Code calls for us to be mercilessly mocked for failing to take a stand and punking out. Aaron, you ready to go?
2: Yep. First up, it's uh, Vanessa. Sorry, I just cut you off. Boy, we are. You're good. We are great. Uh, Vanessa Amundsen, who I don't think meant this as a buy, sell, hold proposition, but I'm going to use it anyway. She says, welcome back. Y'all have been missed.
1: Well, thank you, Vanessa. We missed you as well. You know, every year I say the same thing. My Thanksgiving break, that Monday after is the worst day of the year because I'm just getting used to being home again, you know, and then it's like uh, drudgery getting back to work. But the Christmas break, and this year was a little bit longer. Aaron had a wedding in the family, so he needed to uh, check out a little earlier. So usually the Christmas break is so long that we get down to the last few days, and I'm kind of like, and even my family's like, so. When you like the there? last three mornings in a row, is always like, when are you going back to work? That's kind of, yeah, time to get back in the routine, so. This is always one of the most fun days of the year: is the first day back from the Christmas break because you're kind of your batteries are more than full recharge and you're ready to go. Yeah, right? you,
3: you look over in the corner there and you see that jawbone of an ass and you haven't used it in a while and it's you, you feel a little sorry for it. it. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I hear you.
2: Uh, Bill Kendall says U of M wins against Ohio State in 2019, ending a decade-plus losing streak.
3: Um, sell. You go ahead. You're going to sell. I'm going to sell. Um and I, I I genuinely follow your uh, thinking and feeling on this, but this roller coaster ride uh, that you've been on, I mean it was just how many uh, weeks ago where you were uh, drinking the kool-aid and now you're here uh, literally drinking the kool-aid. Um, it's j- just the, the uh, uh, urban Meyer just exiting stage left is not gonna reset this thing no. and you you just addressed it watching. Ohio State beat Washington yesterday. There is something systemic uh, going on and it's just not going to reset. I mean, it's certainly within the realm of possibility that it happens, but if I had to put money on it right now with confidence, I put it on Ohio State winning that game.
1: Um, I can't argue with anything you just said. I mean, it's I think I'm arguing what you say yeah, on a regular and, basis. Here here's here would be based on how the Harbaugh era has gone. So <clears throat> there's an immediate rebuild of the Michigan program and then it seems like every time they're about to take that final step plunk plunkey, right? <clears throat> Here's what I think is the most likely outcome in the next season. If you look at Ohio State's schedule, it's a joke. I I think it's very possible they will be 11 and 0 when they come to Ann Arbor next year or this year now, this November. Um and I could see Michigan with a couple of tough road games at Penn State, at Wisconsin, losing one or both of those. And Ohio State already having the division clinched, going up there undefeated, without Urban Meyer. You don't get better losing Urban Meyer. You just don't. I mean, you're talking about—I mean, he has the second greatest win percentage of any coach not named Newt Rockney or um, uh, Frank Leahy ever. They're not going to be better. They may not have a huge drop-off because they've never really had a huge drop-off. And there's going to be a drop-off. Like, they might go from winning 81% of their games as opposed to 85 okay? It would be the boss scenario for Ohio State to still win the division and then Michigan wins that game <clears throat> because they put everything into that game and it's a big revenge spot. So um, I really think it's 50-50 because of those circumstances, that would be my analytical mind. I, more emotionally is my, is my take, which you just had. That's my emotional take. Trying to remove emotion from it and not look at it as a Michigan fan, <laughs> that's, a that's a difficult scenario for Ohio State. So since you went sell, I will go buy because I really think it's 50-50. And it's a long way off. A lot could happen.
3: Man, be, being a fan, though. I, you don't analyze this the same way you do. You're doing like feng shui here, where like if these things happen, instead of just no, being, that is how we're going to be better than those guys, and we're going to go punch them in the mouth. I mean, that football, that's football. You're not capable
1: of doing that right now because of what they've done to you. That's true to an extent. But those sorts of scenarios play out in college football all the time. No, uh, yes. yes. And, and so you, when you are analyzing college football, you you maybe even more than any other sport, you have to analyze singular emotional outcomes and situations. That's why you look at bowl games. You always want to look at the team if that is the most vested and interested in being at that game. Um and you saw a couple of, you saw a game last night. I mean, I don't think Georgia's and Texas's talent is that much different despite the perception. But at one game, at point Texas led 28 to 7. They're not 21 points better than Georgia, guys. They may not even be better than Georgia. Okay? But that's again where Georgia kind of left its heart in the SEC championship game and, and three nights ago was tweeting during the playoffs, we should have been there. That's always a bad sign. Michigan had two team captains from Florida quit on their team yeah. and sit out know, rather man. than play the home state team. I, the message that sends the rest of those guys when your captains eject on you, and then you, you, Florida has just as many guys going to the draft as we do. None of them set out. Which should have been a clear indicator. One team is totally vested here. The other team's here for some chicken See, sandwiches. Okay. That was a
3: nice. T- Your opening salvo of no BS actually was in the sports world. Your running theme there of uh, the, the amount of BS that has taken over what athletes are doing and yeah. sitting out. Yeah, yeah. Bravo. Yeah. Bravo. I mean,
1: those guys quit on their team. Let's just be honest about yes. that and, and move on. Okay. Go ahead.
2: All right, another quick sports one. Uh, Todd Saffel says, if Campbell, Montgomery, and Butler all return to Ames, Iowa State is a preseason top 15 team.
1: I would buy. I I think it's possible. Well, listen, Texas is going to be the preseason Big 12 favorite because the reason rankings here's how rankings work. If you win your bowl game and if you're a top-tier program and you win a major bowl game and you return your starting quarterback, no matter how many other guys leave, you're always the favorite the next year. Okay, So Oklahoma lost their bowl game. Kyler Murray's gone. Texas won their bowl game. Sam Ellinger's back. Texas will be the Big 12 favorite now. That's not even debatable. There'll be preseason top five, top 10 in every magazine. But I could see if all those guys came back to Iowa State, I don't think they will, I think Montgomery will go pro. I could see Butler coming back. I think Campbell will definitely be back. But um that's i even, even without even without um uh, the two offensive guys butler and montgomery they still have 17 18 starters back that's a preseason top 25 team regardless next year i agree
2: all right uh bradley bacon says how about sports questions to open it up i yeah. like it yeah. go ahead uh bradley bacon says paul, lots of sports questions uh, paul ryan runs for wisconsin governor in 2022
1: so i'm going to wow. defer to you on this is the wisconsin guy oh, wow. how much are you buying he really wanted to be home with his family
3: well, this would be home with his family. Janesville's right Ex- down the road. Yeah, exactly.
1: Bye. Yeah, I'm going to buy. Yeah, because yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm sure he won I'll say this about Paul Ryan. I don't like his politics. Everybody I know that knows him speaks highly of him as a human being. He's not followed by a parade of consultants. He really is a family guy. He goes home most weekends. Okay, so I don't deny that he did want to be home with his family. But when a 48-year-old guy gives up the speaker's gavel, it's because he thinks being home with my family is preferable to what being here will do for my career. Okay, now give me a chance to run for governor, where I can still have all those accoutrements, and I don't have to. And, and, I'm, and I don't have to deal. I've got more Charlie Sykes type Republicans
2: here than
1: Steve Dace type Republicans here to yeah. deal to put up with. I could see that. I'll buy it. Yeah,
2: correct. Alrighty, Lori Jeffries says Trump will cave and not only will be there be less than one billion dollars for the wall, but we will have a DACA fix that will legalize all DACA recipients and their relatives.
3: You have to pick one or the other, I buy. There's more nuance in there, but there's Yeah,
1: there's so much nuance that it doesn't give me an option of I don't hear I'm gonna sell because I don't believe all of those things will happen. Okay. If you're asking me, do I think you—I don't even know about the cave. I, we can get to a point where—here's the here's the thing. The pressure—so I'm going to sell because there's too much nuance, although it's it's a smart nuance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it just—I think there's too many things that have to happen for me to buy that whole cloth, okay? But the one thing about the government, the pressure, once everybody gets back, and I think it's Monday when everybody gets sworn in, okay? When everybody gets sworn in and everybody's back to session on Monday, the pressure— the internal pressure on Trump to cave on this will be overwhelming. Oops. Sorry about that. If he can get through next week, the average American out here, I don't think cares. If he can get through next week, then people will just kind of learn to live with it. Like with the, um, Oh, it starts with an S the sequester Mm -hmm. that was going to end everybody. And then it came and it went, people kind of live with, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think the, 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 if he's going to cave, I believe it'll be in the next week once everybody begins to come back after that's over though. And where there'll be some new fake crisis. We'll all move on to, I, I could see this going on for a while.
3: I'm buying. I just need, I need to see him once finally follow through on something that isn't just about his own self-promotion.
2: Jay Hinton says buy or sell gas prices at $3 a gallon by August. Um,
1: I'm going to sell. I think, you're you're dealing with a president that will. There are no lengths he will not be willing to go to, when he feels imperiled, to um, improve his situation. And um, I I don't think with Mueller and the Democrats barreling down on both sides, he is going to look to make as many arguments for why he um, should be uh, immune. From the witch hunt uh, as possible, and this is a this is a this is a pretty obvious one. Particular, uh, I, I, so no, I'm going to sell. I don't think so at all. Well, I agree with
3: everything you just said, but I'll buy because he said by August it's, it's summer travel season. Three mm-hmm. is not that high. We, we it's pretty nice right now, but three is not that high based on the last uh, decade. I mean, how high have we gotten, Steve? I don't remember, but it's been much higher than three. We've before. had a
1: national average above three in the so, last few
3: years. So, yeah. yeah, I think we'll probably get the sniff in that.
2: I'm gonna sell. For the record, uh, Padme Amidala says the government shutdown will end on or before January 11th. Here's what I think: If if I'm gonna sell,
3: me too.
1: I, and I think if it doesn't end by January 11th, grab a Snickers. We're gonna be here a while because that's when the when the when the timing pressure is off or is. Replaced by the political benefit to both sides to be seen as standing up for what they believe in. So that's a good date to pick. That's you know that's within the next week and a half. Um, I I think if it gets past January 11th, it's going to go for quite a while.
3: Yeah, I I, there's going to be a feeling out process here nobody knows they know they can play multiple hands uh, but i don't think any of them have much confidence in how to play those hands yeah, and see, they-
1: there's a there's an issue here that i and i've addressed it before we left and i'm going to keep bringing it up and reinforcing it it's something i think most media right and left is forgetting about is politics is policy now the democrats elizabeth warren basically announced her candidacy yesterday uh w- within a matter of days the democrats are going to be are going to live in our state They're going to be here all the time and we saw this with the republicans one of the reasons why yet had a shutdown is because ted cruz had every political incentive to to stand up for his principle against the pressure to conform and it's not worth it because he had a political and had yet a yet a yet a, a, a convergence of principle and political opportunity and That's going to present itself in the Democratic Party now. They have Chuck Schumer can't take any deals. Nancy Pelosi can't take any deals. Because you're going to have at least three Harris, Warren and um, Spartacus, at least three Democrats in Congress running for president of the United States and maybe Beto, which would be four. And none of those four are going to have as an applause line. And we compromised with Trump to give him a billion dollars to build the wall to open the Commerce Department. That's not going to work, guys. That That is not an applause line at any Democrat presidential confab, you know, uh, meet, meet up, C-SPAN event. That's not an applause line anywhere. And so they're going to, just as you saw Cruz say, uh, we're not voting for your fake budget compromises, and I'm going to walk out of here and go on the Steve Day show of, of all over America and tell them how you guys are lying to them. Because principle met political opportunity. Same thing now exists on the other side. There is no incentive on the other side to to give Ed, Trump anything, and then if whoever votes for it. You're, you've essentially said, I don't – whichever – if any of those four people – sorry, I'm getting worked up, bumping my mic. If any of those four people vote for this, they are essentially absolving themselves from the Democratic presidential primary. So there's – there, you really only had this with one candidate in 2016 because by then Rand Paul had already cut his deal with Mitch McConnell over Matt uh, um, Bevin and made his peace. So really, look at, look at the commotion Cruz caused being one candidate in office running for president while in Congress. Look how many people, how many panties were in bunches just from one guy doing it. Now you got three. Mm-hmm. Three. And unlike, unlike at Fox, which was basically still giving you when Roger Ailes was alive, the GOP party line, and Ted Cruz is a bad guy for doing this, and, and was Mitch McConnell television, They won't MSNBC and CNN are going to cheer on the crazies. I mean, you know, Fox was booing the crazy, our crazy, when Cruz was doing this in 2013 and 14. MSNBC and CNN, the crazies are getting all the, they're going to be on all the primetime shows every night. So I don't know what deal they could sign off on that doesn't, that they could offer Trump that doesn't let Trump punk himself. That's why I believe if they get past these first few days when they all come back, And all the pressure remounts when they all gather together. If they get past that time around the 10th or 11th, I could see this going on for quite a while.
2: Agreed. All right. Another sports question. Leaf Fish says Nebraska wins the Big Ten West in 2019. Sell. I think this is... uh, It's more interesting than it appears on its face. I think
1: Uh, I could could buy it. You know what? I think it's another 50-50 like Michigan beating Ohio State if I look at it analytically. Um, and so I could make just as good an argument for sell, since you're going with that. I'll make the argument for buy. They will have the most it's, – it's a pretty even division. It's one that's really come on the last couple of years. They've improved their coaching staffs immensely. And they're the, they're, they will have the best quarterback in the division. And I think when and, – and when, and, and when you have the best quarterback, but it's in a system like that, that essentially permits him to be a playmaker regardless of down and distance situation, field position, et cetera, where the whole field is his oyster. Then when you have a lot of balanced teams and one team has that level of an athlete at quarterback and is saying, go do what you want. That, that the margin of error that team has over a team, like say Iowa, who doesn't let its quarterback do that with its system. I think I could see that. I could see them winning the division on that alone.
2: I, if I could attach a writer to this, which I can't, but if he stays healthy, then I mm-hmm. would pick them to win.
1: Which I, is I, a big thing in that system, too, is to be healthy. Yes. Right? I, I agree.
3: I would give this to them in 2020, but with confidence, I'd take the field of Wisconsin, Iowa, and Northwestern next year over them.
1: Look at Nebraska's schedule. I don't see a lot of losses there. You, didn't you and I do this if, right before we left for vacation? Aaron look at their 2019
2: schedule uh, maybe yeah did yeah. you think yeah. they
3: were going to be this bad this year though see they got better though they got better well they did get better but they were
1: dreadful in some respects I could I could make an argument the season they had might be better for them in the long run than had they gone like 7-5 and five. to tank Yeah, have a bunch of guys leave and kind of clear out the place I agree and then play well at the end again so much of college coaching is selling a narrative, getting young men to believe your narrative. And that's an easier narrative to believe, I think, sometimes than if you're seven and five and we're mediocre all year long. Just a thought, I don't know. All right, that'll do it for Buy, Sell, or Hold. Episode one is in the books of the year of no BS. Back at it again tomorrow, live and on demand on The Blaze. Until then, John 317.
0: The truth, straight, no chaser. Steve Dace.
2: On the Blaze Radio Network.